This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. All right, welcome to the Wednesday Bible Study. Uh, here we are from the No Name Studio. Uh, this studio still does not have a name, but it is the new Rick and Bubba Studio. I'm Rick, uh, of course, uh, co-host of the Rick and Bubba Show, and uh, also uh, I'm part of the ManChurch.com. And, and and those of you that are familiar with that, uh, that's kind of how this Bible study started. Uh, we were at my local church, and we started a system of of men getting together and getting in services together for you know to be challenged by a message where men could speak to men, just like Scripture calls for. And then we started getting into small groups, and this became one of the small groups, uh, and uh, that was eight years ago. Uh, so here we still are, and a lot of the the men who were there the very first day are still here. Uh, others we have eventually run off, but um, no, it's uh, the pandemic has played a big role of uh, taking a lot of the guys out of uh, being in the room, but most of them still watch uh, on uh, the the archives or watch live. You can see it as some of you are seeing right now on the YouTube channel, or you can watch it on your own time on the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel, as some of you are doing, or you may just be listening to the audio on a podcast archive, and you can go back and catch up on Bible studies if you need to by going to BurgessMinistries.com, click on Listen, and you can catch all the audio archives. If you'd like to see the video archives, uh, just go to uh, the YouTube channel at rickandbubba.com. You can subscribe to that, too. That way you'll get a notification uh, when a, a new Bible study is live, and you'll also know when there's a, an archive. So if you want to do that, that's available. So speaking of themanchurch.com, it is a men's discipleship strategy. It's a hub where you can go and get everything that you need to reach and disciple the men of your church and your community. And as I said, we have services that we do. We have conferences that we do, and then we provide curriculum, uh, which, uh, you know, 40-week curriculums. Our third one is about to come out this year called Be Disciples. So we have The Pursuit, uh, which is the pursuit of Christ-centered masculinity. We have Real Men of the Bible. That's eight men of the Bible that we work through over 40 weeks. And this new one is, what are the eight concepts that should be found? What are the characteristics of a, a disciple of Jesus? Uh, and so that one will be coming out, and we'll let you know when it's out, but it should be within the next 30 days or so. So be be paying attention and listening for that. So here's some things going on. If you'd like to go attend a man church somewhere near you, uh, we have several uh, going on this week. Uh, so if I could point some of you to this Friday night, the 28th of January, uh, Michael Helms from the Rick and Bubba Show and themanchurch.com will be at Cash Point Baptist Church in Ardmore, Tennessee. So go see Helmsy this Friday night if you're in and around that area, guys. Coming up on January the 30th, here comes Sunday night, uh, Winfield Baptist Church in Winfield, Alabama. Brian Gunn will be speaking there. Uh, this will be their fourth man church, so they're completing their first curriculum. Also, Shades Mountain Baptist Church, where it all began uh, eight years ago, James Spann. And we'll be speaking at Man Church this Sunday night, uh, and then you'll have an opportunity to go into uh, one of our curriculums there or some of the other Bible studies they're offering. And then uh, Rich Wingo is at Christ Harbor United Man- Methodist Church, Northport, Alabama, on January the 31st. That's Monday night. So those are going on just this week uh, into next week. If you want to find more, go to themanchurch.com, look at events. Now, if you want to go to our upcoming Pursuit Conference, uh, that's going to be in Dothan, Alabama at the Civic Center. February 18th and 19th, I'll be speaking with Jonathan Evans and Andy Blanks from the Man Church. Charles Billingsley will be leading praise and worship, and we always have fun together. So join us in Dothan coming up uh, for our third year to do the Pursuit uh, Men's Conference. And at that uh, Pursuit Conference, we always introduce our new curriculum for the year, too, so it'll be available there at that conference for churches who are ready for the third one or just would prefer to use that curriculum, uh, whatever the case may be. So uh, you can find all that at themanchurch.com under events. I do want to mention one more that we need to pray for, and I've been asked to pray about this. Uh, this is Russellville, Arkansas. Uh, they, they, Man, we have got a man named John Harris who is on fire for reaching and discipling men. Uh, and he's saying, we are ready for our first man church. It's going to be February the 20th, but this Sunday, the 30th, we're going to offer the first time for men to sign up for the curriculum. 
uh, and to go ahead and sign up and be there for the big kickoff. They're going to use the kickoff package, which means I will deliver the message via video, and they'll kick off uh, their discipleship strategy. And he asked that we pray, and we're about to open with prayer, that men will, will be there on this Sunday to, to sign up for the first kickoff and sign up for those small groups. And he says, we're looking forward to this radically changing the dynamic of our church. So, so you, uh, John, we will pray for you right now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, um, for an opportunity to be together. We do take Russellville, Arkansas. And, uh, and we lay it at your feet. We're excited. This is going to be a brand-new market for the manchurch.com. And, Lord, thank you for men like John. This has been his passion. He's just, he just seems to be energy that never ceases, and he certainly has a sincere devotion to you and to reach and disciple the men of his church and his community. So will you please draw those men to you, Lord? Draw them to these small groups, to, to the curriculum. Draw them to this kickoff. And, and ultimately, Lord, may you radically change who they are. And we pray for that to be hugely successful and, uh, and change the whole landscape of that church, of that community, and every family that's represented. Lord, as we open up your word, will you help us? Help us to be the men you called us to be and help us to take away uh, what you've intended from Genesis chapter 4 today. In your name we pray, amen. So that's where we are. Uh, we are in Genesis chapter 4. If you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, please uh, turn there. If you miss uh, chapter 1, 2, or 3, you can go back and grab those archives that I mentioned to you uh, there at the beginning. Well, we know that the, the fall of mankind has taken place. Mankind has sinned against God. Uh, and boy, do the results, they don't take long to show up, do they? I mean, it, 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 it starts coming apart pretty quick. Now, also in this, this chapter 4, we're going to get some genealogies in the chapter, uh, we're going to see sin has become more ingrained in, in, in the human beings. But we're also going to see, once again, and everybody here say thank you, Lord, we're going to see God's mercy. Uh, we're going to see God's mercy, uh, and, 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 and we're going to once again just be blown away about how merciful he can be. No matter how wicked and evil, uh, we, we tend to, to continue. He's very patient and merciful with us. Uh, if, if we end up throwing ourselves into hell and separating ourselves from him, we will literally have to crawl across his mercy to do it. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it appears that, uh, that's, that many will. So let's start with, uh, with chapter 4, verse 1. Now, verse 1, very straightforward. Now, Adam knew Eve, that means to be sexually intimate, uh, his wife, and she conceived, and she bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So she's... she's, she's uh, She's, she's conceived a child. Now the child's born, and she acknowledges uh, right there in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 4, she acknowledges that she has the son, and, and how did she end up getting a son? She says very clear, because of the help of the Lord. You know, she, she's not saying, I got a son because this is the way nature lines things up and, you know, just some random event that happened. She says, no, this is something that God created. This is something that, that, that my husband and I have participated in. And through God's plan and with the help of the Lord, I have conceived and I have bore a son. So this is, this is what she says, though. Remember what we said about when we had the fall, when Eve dropped the name Yahweh and went to the name Elohim? Guess what she's brought back? The Lord. That this has happened to me with help from the Lord God. So she has established his authority in her life again. Now, does she think that, uh, that this may be the promised seed? Possibly. That, that a lot of the, the, when she's celebrating that I've gotten this son, you know, because God's already, she hears God telling Satan and handing down that, look, woman is going to bear a, a, a child that is eventually going to destroy you. Okay, and so there could there some of the commentaries have said, well, maybe she's also thinking, well, wow, this happened quick. This is already what he promised. This will be the one that will destroy Satan. That's possible. We don't know that. All we know is that she is establishing God's authority. That we know. And the reason why some people are thinking that, that some of those uh, some of those commentaries and thoughts could be legit is that the name Cain in Hebrew means got, like I got a son. Uh, I've, I've gotten the son, a son. We don't know, but that, that's what the name means. So, so now let's look at uh, the, the, the next verses 2 through 8 uh, are going to kind of roll through a lot of things happening quick. And so in 2, we see that again she bore his brother Abel. So here comes the second son. 
Now, Abel was keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn, underline that, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions, underline that. And the Lord had, re- had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. I mean, you could even see it on his face. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Really underline seven. Double underline seven. Verse 8, Cain uh, spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. Boy, that that happened fast. So let's let's walk through this a little bit. So here's what we know. First of all, boy, if you want to talk about um, uh, the uh, uh, the Bible, just there's nothing that you overlook. So the the name Abel actually means vapor, meaning it ain't gonna be around very long, uh, and that that's what that means. Like a vapor, Abel would soon be gone. So uh, we we see the two sons. The, these verses lay out their livelihoods. Uh, they're discussed, and that and the reason why the Bible wants us to see their livelihoods is because that's going to explain their offerings. Okay, you know that one, one has access to livestock, the other one has access to produce and and fruit, and and that's what they do. So, and and, and you need to understand that don't get that Cain's offering from what he was actually farming was the wrong thing to do. That he needed to go find an animal. That's not true. Uh, and when you look at both animal and grain offerings, were acceptable to God according to the laws of Leviticus. Okay, However, God did not accept both of the son's offerings, and the difference is attitude. The difference is the way that this is done. Cain simply brought some of his harvest. I have a harvest. I know I need to bring some in. I'm grabbing some of it. I'm bringing it in. So he's just kind of going through the motions. He's become like we don't need to, to become on these holy rituals and these things that God sees as worship of him for us to roll through the motions and we do them, you know, like the, the say the Lord's Supper. And we go, well, here comes the Lord's Supper again. Here they come with that, you know, juice or wine or, you know, according to, to how your church does it. Yeah, here's a piece of bread or here's a wafer. Yeah, 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 here we go. We, we need to do this. And, you know, see, you can do that all day long thinking that you've been obedient to God and he rejects that. We see the prophets many times what come to the people saying, hey, this worship we have going, God hates it. I mean, that, that, y'all, we see one time in Scripture through, through one of the prophets where God says, tell them I hate their songs. Of course, I've heard some of the contemporary songs now. He probably hates some of those too. But, but, but uh, you know, that have really bad theology. But what I'm saying is just because we're legalistically saying, hey, you said to do this, so we're doing it, if your attitude isn't right, and our spirit isn't right, and we're not coming in in the right spirit, he rejects it. And, 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 and what he's saying is, I don't like the spirit of Cain. I don't like he just he just he grabbed some of the harvest. He didn't bring me the best of the harvest. He didn't nothing sacrificial about it. And uh, and so he 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 didn't accept it because Cain simply just brought some of the harvest. He's going through the motions. You know what he's saying? And and you see this, I used to live this way. So this is not me pointing fingers at anybody. This is me pointing to me, and uh, maybe with me pointing to me, you go, well, you know what, I can relate to that too. Maybe not. I hope not. But I can tell you something. I spent a large portion of my spiritual life, and this is an ongoing correction, okay, trying to do the bare minimum. Man, what is the bare minimum? Where, where's the basement on this thing so I don't go to hell? And I can still live my life kind of the way I want to, Please don't tell me this is going to cost me anything. And if it costs me anything, what's the what's the minimum it could cost me? What a couple of Sunday mornings? Will that do it? Yeah, not if you know. Of course, not if it's raining or something. But I mean, or I, or I need to. You know, I've got something else I want to do. But it, it, I mean, can I go out of the four Sundays? Can I try to hit two? Will that do it? What's the bare minimum here? Uh, I believe in Jesus. Will that do it? Hey, I'm sorry for what I did. Uh, you know, but not really having a repentant spirit, you know, just just uttering some words. 
So this is what this is talking about, guys, and we're learning this in the book of Genesis. He's not waiting around to remind us of this. And so um, we find that that, that, that to-do list was being checked by Cain, and there's no real sacrifice even though he's calling it a sacrifice. Ooh, take that. There's no real sacrifice. Just because you call it a sacrifice doesn't mean it is. Does God call it a sacrifice? Because our standard and God's standard don't always line up. But what did Abel do? So let's look at the other side. Abel offered the firstborn now, now, and the fat offering. Now, the firstborn, you need to know what that exhibited when you look at the Levitical law. The firstborn was a person who, I mean, you understand these animals, this is their livelihood. And he's taking the firstborn and he's taking it as sacrifice to the Lord and that's him saying, I have faith in you, and I have so much faith in you, I know that though I have sacrificed what I really needed, you'll replace it. I bet I get another one. You're not going to let me starve. You're not going to let me do without. Okay? And I'm showing that I have so much faith in that, I'm giving you the firstborn, which was a big deal. So, and, and I will tell you this, I, I, I don't want this to come across legalistically. I, w- I was actually counseling a young man last Thursday who's getting married, and I didn't do this in the beginning. So this was something that was corrected by God. When, when I give some, however you do it, weekly, monthly, annually, quarterly, however you do it, whenever I am bringing in my offering to the Lord— I have learned. Now, I know that because it's high-tech now, I don't have to do this anymore, and I see everybody in the whole wide world trying to get me to put my checkbook up and come off checks. I got it. I know it's, it's archaic, but there's just something about sitting down and whatever we have, the first check goes to him. I don't even look at, at what bills are or what we have to do. He, he's getting his first and then, and then we'll live off what's left. And, and so I, I didn't do that. When I first became a follower of Christ, he got what was left. And if they wasn't anything left, he didn't get anything. Or he got a reduced rate. Uh, well, I better make sure I've got all my bills paid because I need to be responsible. See, that sounds reasonable. Well, that's all right as long as he still gets his. But what I was noticing is then I saw that, well, I need to, I need to get that too, and you know, I need to save back for that. And we need to, and then all of a sudden I look down and I'm like, hey, I, I, it's time to give the offering. It's all gone, or, or else what I'm supposed to give ain't there. So, so God corrected it and said, you know, that wouldn't happen if you'd give that first. So I corrected that. So, so I told this young man, get in the habit that when you sit down, whenever y'all sit down, let that to be the first thing you give and then work back. And that's not being legalistic. That, that's, that, that's that worship I'm talking about, the right attitude. So does it, is it any less if you don't do that? No, not if you're still doing it right. I'm just telling you there's something worshipful about that. And so with him bringing the firstborn, and then also you realize that when they talk about an animal's fat in those days, when they, when they, when they, were, when they were burning that, the fat of the animal was seen as the richest and most desirable part. That was an aroma that was pleasing to the Lord. And I don't know if you've ever cooked a ribeye versus a filet. It's, it's very pleasing to me as well. There's something about that marble in there. Huh? So, so, so this has been around a long time. Okay, God likes that too. So, so he, it, and this was seen as the most desirable part. So what did this do? This, so first of all, it was sacrificial in faith. I'll give you the firstborn because you're going to provide more. I'm not going to worry that I'm going to go back and there's and I'm not going to have any more offspring for my for my livestock. I will because you because you, because you you are trustworthy. But then we get to the the fat, which is mentioned in scripture. That's that aroma that shows that you are paying the proper respect to the Lord of Lords and the one and only living God. There was a steam with that. There was a richness with that and a respect that Abel had for the Lord. And that's exactly what God expected. And so you see in verses 6 and 7 that Cain's anger was so obvious it was on his face. You, you, ever, you ever seen these people? Aren't they a pleasure to be around? Uh, you, you don't have to know, man. You don't have to ask. You come in, you see old sad sat, and you're like, well, don't ask him how he's doing. 
So the Lord, though, here's here's where here comes that mercy part I was telling you about. Cain's anger was so obvious it was on his face, and the Lord loved him enough to say, "Watch out now. I I see what you're thinking. I see that anger." Hey, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. The Lord loves us enough to say, be careful now. I mean, he could have come in with his authority and said, well, hey, you take that and see how that turns out. Hey, go on and go on with it and see what happens. He didn't. How many times has he said to us, child, child of God, be careful now. I, I see I see your attitude. I, I, I see your face. I see your eyes. Be careful now. Sin is always crouching. But Cain didn't listen to him. You see, he literally is saying, we can avoid this. We can avoid this. I'm even going to tell you that sin's crouching if you don't know it. I'm going to tell you it's crouching. How many times, Rick, have you heard a similar warning and ignored it just like Cain did? And then we go crying back to our father saying, look what's happened. You know what he's saying? I warned you. I told you to watch that sin. It's crouching at your door. Matter of fact, look at verse 8. I learned this through some of the commentaries. And if y'all want to know some of the commentaries that that I'm using, I'll be happy to provide those. There are actually about five of them this time. Um, And and I can provide those for you if you want. But um, some of the older transcripts of of the Word of God, when you go back to the old ones, will you see this part in verse 8 where it says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field? And, And some of your Bibles, like mine, may have a little number there or something that's showing you the, some of the earliest texts and, and you're going to say, Rick, why is this important? Well, it just, it's just an interesting thing. When you think about what it doesn't just say they were in the field. It says that Cain said to Abel, let's go to the field. So he wants to take him out somewhere where he knows he's going to kill him. See how methodical and perpetual this is. Hey, let's go. The, won't you come to the field with me? You know, the, the English standard, which is fine. Some others just say they're in the field and that's all right. That's all we need to know. But it is interesting to know some of the most ancient texts have Cain actually saying to Abel, come with me out to the field. He's coaxing him out there. Um, so we know that um, that now this means that he will now be killed. We see that, unfortunately, in verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, let's go to the field, if you go back to the earliest text. And Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now now we get into God's confrontation with Cain, verses 9 through 16. And here's, uh, here's what God says after this. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And Cain says, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, I tell you what, Cain sounds an awful lot like somebody. His daddy. Adam, where are you? What, what, what's, what's happened here? Well, that woman you made for me, she caused all this. No, taking no responsibility. Cain's like, I don't know. Why are you asking me where he is? I, am I my brother's keeper? How famous a line that is, and that's, of course, from the Bible. Uh, and then the Lord said, what have you done? There's a chance at Repentance. What have you done here? You think God didn't know what he's done? You think God didn't know where Adam was? You think God didn't know that they ate of the tree? There's always that chance. Just come clean. Remember me talking about that, about being a parent? You ever done that? Just tell me the truth. What have you done? And when do you usually get more angry as a parent? Is when you know what they've done and they won't tell you what they've done, they lie to you. Remember that? Remember what I tried to tell all the young people last week? I know it was a big giveaway from all of us in here who are dads. But I gave the big away when we the big giveaway when we ask you what you've done we know. Come clean. Uh, and uh, you know when the police ask you what you've done they know. Okay they they've they've already discovered they know the deal they're trying to see what what the, just go ahead and say it. So um, 
So then God calls him out on it. The voice of your brother's blood is crying from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be fatigued, I mean a fugitive, I'm sorry, and wander the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, by the way, this doesn't show a repentant spirit. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Wow, that's an overreaction. That's too much. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Here comes mercy again. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Underline that. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So let's walk through these. So God questions Cain about the murder. Cain's answer, as I said, sounds an awful lot like his father after he sinned. Verse 10 tells us that Abel's blood is treated as a living witness. You know, what, 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 did, the, what did the Bible tell us long before science ever did? Life is in the blood. And God is saying Abel's life in the blood you spilled is, is crying out to me. His blood is a living witness against you. And then uh, we see for the first time in the history of the world God's first curse directly on any one human. Now you're saying, well, I thought we saw him talking uh, when we did uh, chapter 3. I, I, I th- last week he talked about, no, no, that's the result of sin on all mankind. But this is the first time he's taken an individual and says, now for you, Cain, this is what's going to happen to you, you the individual. And that's the first time that happens in, in Scripture. And some of the consequences, verse 12, he, he will no longer successfully farm the ground, and he shall wander the earth. 13 and 14, the unrepentant response. It's too much. And then he adds a concern to God. He said, God, this is more than I can bear. He doesn't say, I can't believe I killed my brother. It's still all about Cain. Wow, this is going to be, man, my life's really going to take a turn. Well, yeah, it's going to take a turn because you didn't listen when God said, hey, be careful, sin is crouching at your door. Now you didn't listen. You've gone and done what God said not to do, and now you're complaining because now there's going to be some kind of repercussion for this. Once again, Cain's saying, hey, don't be so rough on me. I mean, wow, I mean, you're really making a big deal of me murdering my brother. Well, yeah, yeah, we're going to make a big deal out of that. And have you ever that's – that, that's that my sin's no big deal stuff. I mean, you have taken your mom and dad's son, if you don't care about it being your brother, and you've, you've slaughtered him. You don't care about your dad. You don't care about your mom. You don't care about God. It's all of – you don't care about your brother. And the response is, this seems a little rough. Not, I'm a wretched sinner, and I can't believe what I did. Lord, have mercy on me. Whatever comes my way, I deserve Whatever comes my way, I deserve. That, see, that's repentance. I wish I knew who to credit this with. I just heard it again two weeks ago. I heard Farrar reference it. I can't remember the man's name. But he had a great a great definition of repentance, and, and his definition is true repentance is the vomiting of the soul. That's repentance. And, 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 and repentance is I, I, I deserve eternal death. Do, do you, we, y'all all realize, right, I hope you do, that every one of us deserves to go to hell, right? We, we got that? Okay. We, none of us going to strut into heaven. But do you care about this? When I started realizing and taking my sin serious is when I finally realized that it was a sin against God first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I don't know about you. I'm such a jerk. I can justify mistreating other human beings. Ellie had that coming. And I never really liked that person anyway. So how do I care how I treated them? Well, look at all the things they've done. But then when you position and God says, oh, by the way, what about, now tell me why it was okay to sin against me. 
Yeah. So that's a, that's a different deal. Well, Kane's not there. <clears throat> uh, I mean, Kane is thinking it's an overreaction. And um, so, um, so the unrepentant response and then the concern of the human re- retribution, he said, hey, people are going to be after me now because they're going to know a murderer is among them. Because, you know, in those days, if there was a murderer, they would come and kill the murderer. And by the way, when it comes to capital punishment, no matter how you feel about it, one thing that cannot be argued, if you kill the person who killed other people, they won't kill any more people. Now, that we know. Now, that's, that's not that's, – you, you take that, but I'm just talking – so Cain knows in the you know, that, that, hey, what if about people come after me for this? And God, which is really to me very surprising – God says, I'm not going to let that happen, and I won't let anybody else cast out the vengeance on you. I'll punish you, but I won't let anybody else kill you. There's mercy again. How many times have you looked in your life, and really the repercussions of your sin should have been even worse than God allowed them to be? Anybody ever had that happen? I have. Yeah. I shouldn't be here so many times. I should be long dead. And I know some of y'all on your head say, yeah, me too. I mean, long dead. A couple times I thought I was dead. And, uh, and this is, um, and, um, and, and if, if some people had been a better shot, I probably would be dead. But, um, but anyway, I know now I was moving. I was trying to make it hard to get hit, but, uh, but the, um, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, don't, don't run in a straight line. It makes it so much easier. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, it, it works against more than just a, a, an alligator. So, um, so despite this attitude, we serve a merciful God. Will y'all? Will we please understand that we serve a merciful God? Uh, and 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 so can we kind of come off the whining about when bad things happen? I've told you a thousand times, the bad things that have happened to me do not surprise me. It's the mercy that surprises me. God's mercy is really surprising. And 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 you know what? And it should be it should be just the response to His mercy should just, we should just ooze gratitude. Just and and so. He even looks after Cain, um, and and he says sevenfold vengeance on anyone who kills Cain. Now, remember seven. Everybody familiar with the number seven? This is important to get this in, in, in the Bible. Uh, if you've ever read Sherry's book, God used the number seven to comfort us incredibly in just a, in miraculous fashion. If you never read the book, it, I don't have time for that today. But it, oh, but sevenfold means God is saying that that I have already handed out perfect retribution, and I really don't need anybody else to add to it. Because seven is the perfect number. It's completion. It is done. And you'll find that in Psalms 12.6 about the number seven, if you want to. 12.6, that's Psalm. And Proverbs 6.31, if you want to jot that down. God says, I've handed out punishment. Nobody's going to add to it. But this is the thing that has perplexed theologians for a long time. What is this mark he puts on him? We don't know. Now, there's some, some bizarro opinions on that, okay? And one of them even includes Bigfoot, but I'm not getting into that. But anyway, so what in the world? But, uh, but anyway, we, we really don't know what the mark is. We don't have any idea. We just know that, that God said, there's, I will mark you so that everybody knows who you are so they know they better not lay a hand on you. And but you're still going to wander the earth. You're still not going to have. You're not going to be a farming success anymore. You're going to struggle. Uh, but I will not let these other human beings kill you. And then, of course, what uh, what 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 is Cain's response to even the mercy? He left the presence of the Lord. I'm out. He left the presence of the Lord. How about that? And. Um, the land of Nod, where he settles, that word means wandering, meaning he would wander the earth as God said. But he went away from the presence of the Lord. Can I just tell all of you that are watching and listening, as I've had to learn, when you have committed horrible sin, the, 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 the worst thing you can do is to leave the presence of the Lord, return to the presence of the Lord, cling to the presence of the Lord, do not leave the presence of the Lord and seek mercy and seek retribution. Um, I mean, seek reconciliation with God. And yes, there'll be earthly consequences to your sin, but God will be merciful because he's on record that he is. So now we get into um, 
we're, we're about to make our way to old Lamech. Um, this guy is bad news. Um, so this is going to be the offspring of Cain. Uh, this is going to go to uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Cain knew his wife. Again, that means to be sexually intimate. And she conceived and bore Enoch. Now, this is not the godly Enoch. Make, make a note of that. Uh, because uh, th- that's going to be interesting next week. How you see, well, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave that up. But th- this is not the Enoch that got to walk into heaven. That's not who this is. Okay, uh, there's three different sons that are named Enoch in the in the Old Testament, and and the one that belongs to Cain is not the Enoch that we all strive to be who walk with the Lord. That's not who this is. Uh, when he built, uh, then then when he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. So you see, right out of the gate, here's Cain that is trying to elevate his offspring. I tell you what, I'll name a city after. Him. And I will tell you this: there's a lot of dads out there that have tried to name cities after your son, and you need to stop. You need to name the city after the Lord. Don't you? You don't elevate your children above God. They don't need that. You're not doing them any. And I've been around these guys, man. They, all they ever do is rattle on about their sons, and 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 they and they they put pressure on them that they shouldn't put on them, and they are worshiping their son. They're elevating their son. It's okay to encourage your son, to love your son, to be proud of your son in the right way. That's perfectly great as long as he's a you're raising him up to be a man of God. But you don't build cities and altars to your sons. That worship belongs to God and God alone. So here's Cain setting a bad example again. And uh, probably why this particular Enoch was more of a handful than a blessing. Uh, so he named the city after him. In 18, to Enoch was born uh, Arad, and Arad fathered. And then we're going through the genealogy here, okay? Now, I want you to notice the genealogy that we roll through from all this offspring from Cain. And we're about to get down to a really, really bad dude named Lamech. Now, look at verse 19. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers. I, I have studied uh, the book of Genesis. I have uh, read through the Bible uh, you know, multiple times, and I have never picked up on verse 19, and it is a red flag, and I've never picked up on it before, and it starts a whole problem going forward. Lamech, the offspring of Cain, is the first person that says one wife won't do. I'm having two. Here comes polygamy for the very first time out of the line of Cain. See, God had already established, which we did a study on two weeks ago, that marriage to him was one man and one woman. He did not say to Adam, I took a rib while you were sleeping. I got you four wives over here. He gave him one. Okay, and we talked about that. So that was God's standard. Cain has mur- has committed the first murder now that sin has entered the world. He's unrepentant. He's given he's birthed Enoch, who now starts the Cain line through all this genealogy that you see in these verses and names that are hard to say. But this is here because it's important because it's going to get us get us to Lamech, and Lamech took two wives, and then it gives us the the name of the one was Ada, the name of the other was uh, Zillah, and then Ada bore Jabel. He was uh, the father of those who dwell in tents. And have livestock. His brother's name was Jabal. He was the father of all those who played the lyre and the pipe. Uh, Zillah, that's the, the other wife, also bore um, uh, Tubal Cain, I think, or whatever. He was a forger of all the instruments of bronze and iron. And then the sister uh, of, of him, uh, of, of, of Tubal Cain, named after Cain, was uh, Nama. Now, Nama is the first daughter ever mentioned in the history of the world. So we go through son, 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 son. And uh, and then you see that Cain's daughter is mentioned. Now you know there's wives, so there were other daughters from some that were working. But this is the first time somebody's actually said, "And here's one of Cain's daughters." And um, and so we see that Lamech has decided that he, like his dad, his his great 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 grandfather, that he will not uh, follow God's standard. Now, if you think that he has a problem with God's standard of marriage, you're going to find too that he really loves. He's bloodthirsty. He's bad, bad news, because here's what you see next. And Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. I'm a killing machine. And, uh, and 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 nobody better come against me. I killed one guy just I, I killed one guy for wounding me and I killed another one for striking me. Hey, you may punch me, but I'm gonna kill you. 
And so you, you see how sin always matters? Do you, do you see this legacy of sin? It just And have you seen, have you noticed, it just keeps elevating? So Cain was condemned to wonder. He built that city in honor of his son, still unrepented. Four generations are presented in the summary in that genealogy that link Enoch to Lamech, starting with Adam. This makes Lamech the seventh generation listed. Now this, this is important uh, on this placement because um, – this is going to uh, set us up for something next week that's going to be it's going to kind of blow your mind. So remember he's now the seventh generation down, which is important. Now, you're also going to see the, why that's important when we get over in 5 and it's going to involve Seth, but I'm going to leave that to next week, okay? So we we talked about uh, verse 19 and the polygamy, we we covered all that. Uh, we know that this is not God's ideal standard. Uh and um uh, so uh, if you want to see those where God's, again, establishing what his standard was and he intended it to be, and all the men who violated had all kinds of problems with that, uh, look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 2, also verse 12, Titus one verse, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. And you'll also see uh, that um, you can find in um, Deuteronomy uh, where God tells the kings that they are not to take more than one wife. So this God's trying to get this thing back, and we just won't listen. Uh, you see 20 through 22, Lamech's sons, they're described as the father of certain activities. thought that was interesting. You, you kind of see these different ways to make a living and these different things people can do and skill sets are coming out of his sons. And then you see that Lamech did a short poem, which was quite the poem, uh, demonstrating the progress of the sinful nature. Cain feared rep- retribution. Lamech does not. My daddy might have been afraid for retribution. I ain't afraid of it. Hey, bring it on me 70 times 70. You know, and, and uh, he enjoys murdering. Seven by 77. Now, here's something kind of cool. You know, who is the whole Bible about? Jesus. And we've talked about this over and over. Take, turn with me to Matthew 18. Let's go to Matthew 18. I love this kind of stuff. So Matthew 18... Now, keep in mind what Lamech has been saying, okay? i tell you what, it's 7 by 77 with me, uh, and, and I'm, I'm really something, and I'm a murdering machine. So look at 18, look at Jesus talking to Peter in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I mean, how much, how much how long has this got to go on? I just keep on forgiving over and over again? And Jesus says, as many as seven times. I mean, Peter says that. And Jesus says to him, I do not say you seven times, but 77 times seven. You see the reference back to Lamech? He's saying, and you think Peter didn't remember that? Uh, well, he's saying, look, uh, oh, so you think you should forgive seven times? Is that what y'all, that's what y'all been talking about is, is the Hebrew people? Well, I tell you what, I say seven times seventy-seven. Well, who said that, Lamech? So you see, he's turning now forgiveness into you never deny forgiveness to anyone because I'm not going to deny forgiveness to you. You don't you don't withhold forgiveness to people. I'm telling you, it's an infinite infinity number. Just like Lamech said that he's not afraid of anybody, and he'll and he'll go out and he'll do, he'll just double the retribution on anybody who, who comes after him. You see, he's saying now, when I'm, I'm the new Adam, so I'm going to take what Lamech said and I'm going to reverse it. Instead of that being vengeance that is never ending, I'm going to call for forgiveness that is never ending. That's cool if you see that. Now, things seem to be going pretty bad right here, um, and um, – we're going to extend some of this genealogy over the next few chapters. Uh, but um, but I want to, to read the rest of it to you, 25 and 26, and show you something else that's pretty incredible. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Does anybody remember what Abel brought as a sacrifice? The firstborn. And why, what was that showing? Faith in what? 
that he would receive more. So here is Eve saying God has been merciful because Cain, who was the firstborn, he went and killed the second. So really, if you look at it, if, if one of your sons has been murdered and the other has left the presence of God and has rejected God and is walking, you, she's not going to see Cain again. So she's lost both sons, including her firstborn. And now she says, but God gives me Seth. God has been merciful. He gives me Seth. Now, why, why, is, that, why is that important? Well, sin was being magnified through the line of Adam, but now, this is cool, God is going to start a, a new line with Seth. And what he's doing here, Seth means given. He was given. This is a gift that has been given. Eve says that God has been merciful and replaced Abel and really, if you think about it, not as directly, but Cain as well. So Seth is about to give birth to Enosh, which means man, and it's almost the same meaning as the word Adam, which is also means mankind or man. So I want you to think about that. And it, in, in, in 26, it tells us, to Seth also a son was born, and he called him Enosh, which means man. You see this new line starting? Take a wild guess where this line is going. You see where how this line is starting? And this is something that really blew my mind, how this is dropped in by Moses as the last thing that he says in this chapter of sin is running rampant and things are getting worse. And then all of a sudden, you see in 26, B, at that time, meaning when Seth, uh, produced the offspring Enosh, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. What? Where, where did this turn around? What, what? Sin was rampant, and chapter 4 establishes that. But some, in this time of Seth, after his wife has given birth to Enosh, Moses wants us to know this was a mess back here, and it's bad. And we know when we get to chapter 6, it's going to, get, it's going to be horrible. But he says something is happening now after the depravity seems to be kind of rolling downhill, and, I'm, and, and we're all kind of thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if there's any hope at all. And all of a sudden, when Enosh is born, the name means man, and you're going to see us work him to the Enoch that we all know about, okay? the one that did walk with the Lord. He said, but something was changing. There were some people that began to call on the Lord again. There were some, a remnant, that began to call upon the name of the Lord. So once again, God is always working some remnant that seek him. These people, the remnant, were seeking in all this nastiness. They were seeking to be reconciled as they began to call on the name of the Lord. That promise, that seed, they began to call for it. That blew my mind. And um, so there were a couple things in here that really, honestly, I had not really spent time on. So some things we think about as we close— Go back to the brothers, but are we more like Cain or Abel? I mean, we look at our lives and we go, I mean, honestly, we know Cain is not the way we're supposed to be, but there's, I got some Cain issues. You know, I mean, uh, or, or am I really truly, I know I should be more like how Abel responded to God, not Cain, but do I, do I really? Did, 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 I, did I hear some things in Cain that sounded a lot more like me than I wished they had? And if the answer is yes, then, that, then that's got to be changed. I think we take away what God's warning sin is crouching at your door. Who, who of you in this room or watching there on YouTube or listening to the podcast, are there any of you right now that in your life God made sure you found your way to this Bible study today and you know that sin is crouching at your door? And God is saying, be careful now. 
It's there. You know it's there. You're playing games with it. Why don't you make a decision unlike Cain and listen to what God is saying? Sin always matters, and it always harms so many more people than you. What was the, the, it, always, it always takes you further than you ever wanted to go. It always causes more damage than you ever intended it to, and it always leaves, there long, leaves you there longer than you wanted to stay. It always does. So listen to God's warning today and just repent of it and walk away from it. And you know what the Lord will say if you have a sincere heart? I forget it. You forget it. Move on. But it's crouching at your door. Or maybe today you uh, uh, you listen to this and you thought to yourself, I don't know that I have ever been seeking to call upon the name of the Lord, but today I'm going to. I do seek that redemption that God has provided me. I, I do believe that God is merciful. And I would like to respond to that mercy and say, Lord, please forgive me for what I've done. No matter what it is, forgive me for what I've done. Well, if that's the case, just right now, with all the sincerity you can muster, say, Lord, forgive me. I repent of my sin. I know that I have a sin nature, that I'm finding a lot out about how this all started. But I also know how it ends, and that is with you offering reconciliation and redemption through Jesus. I know the future of this story, and you do offer redemption. And today, Lord, I would like to receive it. I repent of my sins, and I turn to you. I leave faith in myself, and I'm done building cities to me and building cities to my children and cities to my work or cities to, to things of this world. And I bring my gifts to you, and I place you in the position that only you are worthy of, and that's the position of my worship. I leave faith in self, and I place my faith in you. And I call you Lord God for the world to hear. And I know that you're merciful, and I know that you love me. But when I look at my life, I just don't see evidence that I love you. So teach me to love you and save me. Save me from my sin. Scripture teaches us, and the Lord teaches us, that if you're sincere about that, that he will. And he has. Uh, and if I can help you in any way to, to walk the, the road from here, uh, just reach out to me, uh, rick at burgessministries.com or rick at rickandbubba.com, and I'm, I'm here to help you. Guys, thanks for making time to be with us here in the room. Thanks to all of you that are watching and listening to this week's edition of the Wednesday Bible Study. <laughs> 